Praise the Lord. Wow. Well, it is good to see your smiling faces. You know what, what amazes me every time I get up here on Sunday to start speaking? Is that when we start the service, there's like half you aren't here. And then I stand up and start speaking. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's filled in like, uh, like my waistline. It's just filled right in, you know? And uh, yeah, like, I, I, you know, it, we start at 10 o'clock, right? You know that, right? So yeah, just a little subtle reminder there. <laughs> Uh, on the, on, as Mark said on the 18th, man, we are going to have a party in the house of the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're going to have tables set up so you can find out different things, register your kids for uh, youth, junior high, and uh, midweek programs so that you can uh, participate in what we're doing here. Um, and one of the things we're going to be offering is I'm going to be doing a course for at least six weeks starting on the 21st. And youth and junior highs will be going to every week starting on the 21st of September. Everybody's, or say every week. Every week. All right. And so I'm going to be doing a course. And so we do need some volunteers because we're going to be recording the course as well. And I'll be doing that in here in the auditorium. And, uh, and so the, the course is simply called Where Do We Go From Here? And, you know, we live in a postmodern world. And whether you've heard that, know what that term means, I'm sure you've all heard it before. And uh, it basically postmodern uh, modernism, which was the belief that you know, uh, everything had a logical origin. Whether you're a person of faith or whether you're a person of science, we believe that there was forces that were greater than ourselves from which all things had order and all things had, uh, you know, derived their purpose. But postmodernism says, no, the answers are all, you know, within. And so as we struggle as a, as a church to minister in a postmodern world, I want to I help you understand how we got to where we are, and I want to help you, uh, equip you to be able to minister the incredible life-transforming work of Jesus Christ in a postmodern world. So I'm inviting you to be with us. Uh, we're gonna, like I said, we are going to record it. And uh, we'll be in, in here in the sanctuary. And so we're going to ask you when you come in on those Wednesday nights to sit in the middle section in here and uh, to group in and uh, to be aware that there may be the odd screenshot. There's going to be question and answer periods at the end, all that kind of stuff. So it'll be a fun time. We're going uh, to dig into some really deep stuff. So you're going to have to put your thinking cap on when you come uh, on those nights. And uh, you won't want to miss out on what we're doing. So if you're bringing your kids for youth or junior highs, just... Drop them off and then come on in here and uh, we'll get going on that. So it's going to be great starting on September uh, the 21st. That's on the Wednesday night. Well, how many know it's good to be alive? Amen? Isn't it great? I mean, isn't it, isn't it an incredible time, an exciting time to be living out uh, the, the Great Commission in our world today? Uh, we've been talking about kingdom principles and we've been... Uh, staying on the principle number four, which is the principle of harvest. That there's, uh, the kingdom of God is one that operates by harvest. And there's not just one simple rule to harvest, which is, for example, the, the law of sowing and reaping. But there are many laws, there are seven laws that make up biblically uh, the, the principle of harvest. There are seven laws. And so to date, we've done, number one was the law that we reap only what has been sown. So everything that you have eaten today or yesterday or whatever, it, it is the byproduct of somebody sowing that into the ground and then it brings forth a harvest. We don't necessarily sow only things, or reap, I should say only things which we have sown, but somebody sowed so that we can reap. Amen? And uh, so the, 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 the 
scientists call this the law of biogenesis, that all life comes forth from life. Everything that we see comes forth because something has been sown or something has been invested to bring us to where we are today reaping that harvest. The second law we talked about is that we reap in kind as we sow. So if you you sow corn into the ground, you don't expect to get, you know, fig trees out of it, right? You know, uh, if you sow corn, you get corn. And so we talk about how that's a principle that is at work in our own lives. If you sow kindness to others, you're going to reap kindness. If you sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. Uh, if you, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. And so we encourage people to understand that all of these uh, laws have their root in biblical truth, in the kingdom, and that what we see in the natural is a manifestation of what's happening in the kingdom. Amen? The third one is we reap in a different season than we sow. So everybody knows, you know, come springtime here in Canada, farmers are out there putting seed in the ground, and then in its due season, we get to reap the harvest from that. And so there's a time when you're going to sow, and there's a time when you're going to reap. And, uh, you know, it's hard for us because farmers get this, but sometimes us city dwellers, we live in the microwave world where, you know, why can't I just stick it in the uh, ground and it's up the next day? doesn't work like that. There is a time to sow and there is a time to reap. And so we have to be prepared for that reality in our lives. Then law number four was that we reap more than we sow. And aren't you glad for that? Uh, wouldn't it be awful if you, you know, you sowed seed of corn and all you got back was the number of kernels that you sowed? That would be, I mean, no farmer would ever keep doing it. We just quit, right? But the reality is you put a few seeds in the ground and from it you get an enormous amount of harvest. That is the, the principle of the harvest. We sow in, in enormous portions greater than what we, or we, I should say, than what we have sown. We get to reap a harvest that is much times greater than what we have sown. And then we also reap, though, in proportion to how we have sown when it comes to our faith. So on God's side of the equation, right, we reap more than we've sown. But in our side of the equation, we reap in according to what we've sown, our faith. And that's law number five. We reap in accordance to our faith. And so as we've sown in faith, then we shall also reap from that harvest. And then law number six that we're going to look at today is real simple. It's called the, the law of perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. perseverance. There's perseverance required to reap a harvest. There's perseverance required. And uh, if we want to reap a full harvest, then we have to persevere until the end. And we're going to look at that, what that is like uh, in the natural, but also in the kingdom, and understand that that is how the harvest is reaped. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you today. We ask, Lord, you'd help us to understand this law that is an operation in the kingdom and in our world today. Father, we pray, God, that you would open our eyes and our, uh, our ears of understanding today, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How many, how many amateur or professional gardeners have we got here? Let me see your hands. Come on, hold them up. I was reading an article this week that even in the city, people are turning to grow their own food on their balconies and in apartment buildings. They've got little pots of lettuce and stuff growing up that everybody's starting to grow their own stuff might have to do with the fact that you go to the grocery store and you're like, 
when you see the prices of things. So people are realizing, hey, I can grow my own stuff and I can do it for a fraction of the cost. And so everybody's turning into a bit of an amateur gardener, but we've had some other people here that are professional gardeners that have, you know, uh, planted and, and reaped enormous size crops before. And this is a sobering principle of life that to truly reap a good harvest requires perseverance. We have to persevere because in the fallen world in which we live, right, when we sow in something good, how many know weeds grow right up with it, right? And if you don't take care of the weeds, right, if you don't take care of the weeds, they suck all the nutrients out of the soil, and therefore your harvest does not grow to its full potential because it gets choked out by the weeds, and the, the, the thing is, you know, when it comes to this principle, the harvest requires perseverance, but the weeds, right, they tend to grow all by themselves. How many know you've never had to cultivate your weeds? You know, go out there and say, oh, a little weed, would you just grow? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. I'm going to get rid of the, 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 the corn stalks from around you weeds so that you can grow. You don't need to do that. The weeds will grow all by themselves. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. Just two weeks ago, I got the weed whacker out here. And you're all going to go looking at this uh, after the service is over. And, uh, and, and I went to town on all the little weeds that grow up between our interlocking stone. And they drive me nuts. Does it, does it not drive you nuts? I mean, it drives me nuts. I look at it and go, ah! Oh! So I, I got down here and I went through like half a spool of weed whacker and a tank of gas. Mm grinding every one of them right down to nothing. There is nothing left of that plant. And two weeks later, they're back again. And, you know, you can't get the good roundup anymore. You know the stuff you used to spray it on it, and ten minutes later the plant's dead? You know, uh, the good old days when you could just spray all those weeds and they'd be gone, you know? Uh, but man, oh man, it's so frustrating. And I walk up here last night, came in, I was like, look at that, there's some weeds that are like this tall again. And I just, you know, killed all those old suckers. And that's, that's one of the, the problems in a fallen world is the weeds just keep coming up. And if we want to harvest, you know, of the good things, we have to take care of the weeds. That's why the Bible has lots of scriptures that, that are, are designed to help us understand the nature of this principle. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So we need to know the word in order to know how to persevere, Right? We need to know the word. And, and when it comes to the church today, so many people don't know the word anymore, right? There's the problem of ignorance. They haven't studied the scripture. Or there's the problem of correct understanding. You know, they read it and they go, well, what does that actually mean? How many have ever had that experience? And then, especially if you crack open a King James and you're like, what did he just say? Right? And, you know, how many know we don't speak in Shakespearean English anymore? So it's a little hard sometimes to read that King James and go, what in the world were, did he just say? So we need to read a, you know, a translation that helps us in our modern English. Sometimes there's, the biggest problem though is the problem of application. So we, we read the word and go, okay, I, I, I've read that. Yep, I understand what it means. But now comes that hard part of applying it to my life and living it. How many know it's much easier to understand than it is to live, right? And so, but application of the word and living the word is what enables us to be able to persevere. God's word will set us free, but only when you apply it, right? Right? The truth shall set you free, but if you read that verse 
it says when you obey the word or obey the truth, then the truth will set you free, right? So it's the element of application that empowers the word to set us free, right? Application. Application's important. I read the story a few years ago. This 18-wheeler was parked on the side of the highway in Kentucky, and there was smoke coming off of, off of the wheels. And the driver's standing beside the, the tractor, and he's, you know, waiting for the tow truck to come along. And uh, this pastor noticed as he drove by that while his bearings, he stopped and asked him what was wrong. He said, oh, the bearings seized on it, you know, and I've got I've to wait and get towed away. And then as the pastor's driving away, he noticed that he was hauling axle grease. Isn't that hilarious? The very thing that he was hauling, the very thing he carried about was the thing that his own vehicle needed the application of. And I think it's an incredible picture of what we're like sometimes as, as Christians, you know? The very thing that we need is we're carrying around with us all the time, right? It's in, it's in the Word. It's the Bible. It's, it's the Scripture. It's what we need. But the application of it to our life is what will keep things running smoothly, that's why the scripture is, don't be just hearers of the word, but what? Doers also. Hello. Wow. Praise the Lord. Many a Christian is, you know, failed because they're busy ministering to other people and they're not ministering the word to their own heart. You ever wonder how, you know, you hear about these preachers that, you know, famous or whatever, and the next thing you know, they're in some kind of hot water, deep waters, moral failure, whatever. At some point, they... They were ministering the word to other people and didn't recognize or, or heed the need and the warning of Scripture that that which you're giving out, you have to apply to yourself. You have to apply to yourself. And if we think that this problem of weeds and the need to persevere is just unique to us, right? Uh, Jesus even talked about how, you know, as he was sowing the word, the enemy comes along, right, in the parable of the sower, and he sows weeds and tares and everything right in the middle of it all. And so we recognize if it can happen to Jesus, if he understands the principle, then it's going to happen to us. So we need to persevere. Galatians chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles turned there, I want to look at this verse this morning. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And it says this, And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if, everybody say if. 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 Say it again. If. if. If we do not grow weary. Or I believe I, uh, in, in some translations says, if we do not quit. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if you've planted a garden, you know how important it is to weed. You know how important it is to make sure that you take care of that garden, that you nurture that garden in order for it to produce the harvest that you're looking for. A garden requires continuous love and care and attention if we want to reap an abundant harvest. Because of the entrance of sin in the Garden of Eden, though, the weeds, they'll grow all by themselves. They'll grow all by themselves. And uh, whenever there's an opportunity, the enemy is going to come along and he's going to do everything he can to thwart what we are doing uh, in this world. And it's not just gardening, it's a metaphor, but also building. Remember in scripture, uh, Nehemiah wanted to rebuild Jerusalem, but the enemies of Israel were, were buffeting them all the time. So the Bible talks about while Nehemiah was building, that he had a trowel in one hand, what did he have in the other? 
a sword. Because he recognized that even in the process of building, there was going to be opposition. And that he had to be prepared for all of the opposition that was going to come against us. Today it feels like that opposition comes from municipal governments and building bylaws and all that kind of stuff. How many of you have ever ran into that? But it's not easy. If you've ever built a house, you've ever, I mean, delays, problems of things coming through, there's, there's work. And it feels like you've got to have a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other to get the project finished. It can be very challenging. Because the enemy is there to try and thwart us. When we apply that truth to the kingdom, we understand that building the kingdom is also just as challenging. Because Satan is out to try and stop you from accomplishing what God has called you to do. Now, in due season, the scripture said, we will reap that harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. I remember reading the story a few years ago of two children, a boy of eight and then a girl of 10 years old. And they were both good swimmers. And they'd entered into the Atlantic near New Jersey and uh, a resort some summers ago. And when they were a distance from shore, they became separated. And the father realized they were being carried out to sea by a tide. And he knew that his daughter was a stronger swimmer than his son. So he was able to get to his son and bring him into shore. And he yelled at his daughter and he said, remember what I taught you, just lie on your back and you can float out there all day. Just lie on your back and you can float out there all day. They brought his son in to shore and he notified the Coast Guard and they started looking for her. They looked for her for five or six hours. And then they finally found her. And she was like over a mile and a half out from shore. The tide had taken her out. And she was just lying on her back. And they asked her, they said, were you scared? She said, no, dad told me I could lay out here all day. I could float out here all day. And so she listened to the word of her father and she took that to heart and she realized I can do this. I can do it because my dad said so. I can persevere if I don't give up because my dad said so. Amen? And the Bible says you can persevere, you will reap the harvest and God our father says you'll reap it if you persevere, if you don't give up. And so many times, you know, it seems like we, we end up capitulating to the demands of the enemy because when the, 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 the things got tough, when the times got tough, we, we caved in. But the scripture is telling us, no, stand. Having done all the stand, the Bible says, right, with our armor of God, what are we supposed to do then? Stand. You've done everything. You've put on all the armor. You got the sword of the spirit. You know, you've got everything you need, but the enemy's still buffeting. What do you do? You stand. You stand. You just say, I'm not going to allow the enemy to knock me off my perch. I'm going to stand. I'm going to persevere. That young girl understood. Her dad said, you can do this all day. You got this. Just lay on your back and float and you can do this. And she heard her dad and said, I can persevere. I can do it. She believed him, took him at his word, and she was saved. Amen? Now, here's an interesting thing I discovered when I got looking at this verse in Galatians uh, chapter 6. This is is fascinating. So he says, and let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap the harvest if we don't grow weary. Now, the word time there, in due time, is not the word uh, chronos as in a chronometer, as in tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock passage of time. See, we just have that one word for time. But in, in the Greek, they have two different words for time. So 
When he says in due time, you'll reap the harvest. And we, it's not the word time in terms of the passage of time. It's the word kairos. The word there is kairos. So when it says in due time, it's in due season or in due, uh, uh, whenever it's, it's appointed by God, it will come to pass. So it's not just saying in, over the passage of time, it'll eventually happen, but we're saying in God's time. Everybody say in God's time. In God's time, it'll come to pass. Don't grow weary in doing what's right because in God's time, it will come to pass. Fascinating, isn't it? It's not just saying in TikTok time, if you just give it enough time, it'll come to pass. No, no, it's saying in God's time, it will come to pass. But then it's very interesting. You read, to, read on in that passage, and then it says in verse 10, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. The word opportunity there, translated opportunity in the second verse, in, in verse 10, is the same word, kairos. Isn't that interesting? In due time, kairos, in the, in, in the time of God, when it's his time, you'll reap the harvest. But then, in the very next verse, it says, you know, uh, so while we have opportunity, while we have kairos, while we have that timing of God, that season of God, that provision of God, then look what he says, then let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. I find these things fascinating. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I'm not, I'd like to be there when the translators were, were moving it from Greek into English, because sometimes I look at a passage like that and I go, wait a minute, that's the same word. And yet when you read it, not knowing it's the same word, it, it doesn't, it isn't clear to us that it's talking really about the same thing. It's talking about the opportunity in the season of God and how we need to make the most of it. And the way we make the most of it is by doing good, especially, everybody say especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Mm. Wow. That just boggles my mind. Especially. Why did God say especially to the household of faith. Jesus said, and they will know, by this will they know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love for them? No. Love one for another. The truth is this, that we are redeemed into a family. Into a family family. And because we've been redeemed into a family, love starts at home. I'm always amazed at the people who say, I love God, but it's a church I can't stand. That is just so opposite the heart of God. God loves this church. And in fact, he loves his church so much that he tells us to love his church just like he loves his church. Yeah, but the church is so lumpy. It's got so many problems in it. Yes, it does. And they're only increased because you're there. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? It means you bring your baggage into the church just like I do and everybody else does. Ain't nobody here perfect. Only one, Jesus. Amen? Only one. Everybody say, only one. Only one, Jesus. The rest of us, we all bring in baggage. 
And the reality is, my baggage and your baggage and Mark's baggage and everybody else's baggage, we mix it all together and it makes this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. And that's why the Bible tells us, stop worrying about the, the speck in your brother's eye. Deal with the plank in your own, right? Because he's trying to help us understand that if we're all going to live together as a family, attend to this business and love that business, right? Tend to this, love that, right? Don't love this and tend to that, which is the way most people go about it, right? We, we you know, love this, and then we tend to want to fix everybody else. No, 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 no. You know, focus your attention on fixing this. Say, God, with your help, could you make this a better package than it is right now? And then love everybody else. Isn't that simple? That is how we persevere. We persevere by taking care of business here and loving everybody out there. And when we do that, it's amazing what can happen. And, and that is so counterculture, especially in our woke world today, where if you make one little mistake, all of the social justice warriors jump on the internet and just bam, 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 and, and they just drive you down to the very lowest of lows that they can get you to. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, they can say whatever they want about me. I never look at it anyway. So I could be completely oblivious to all the people hating on me because I never look at it. doesn't matter to me. Uh, but the reality is that's the way our world works today. We punish people for every mistake while looking at ourselves and say, we're way beyond that. That would never, we would never do that. And the opposite is completely true. Jesus is calling us to love everybody else and tend to our own stuff. Someone say amen. amen. Love everybody else. And then, so as much as you have opportunity, love everyone else, especially the household of faith. And if we'll persevere in that, then the Bible says that people will look at us and they will know that we're his disciples because of the love that we have one for another. Not perfect, but loving despite the imperfections. And they'll go, wow, can I get in on that family? Can I be part of that family where they love me despite my failures and my shortcomings and my issues? That they love me anyway? I want to be part of that family. I want to be part of that family. So in order to, to do that, to make that kind of testimony to the world, we need to learn how to persevere. We need to learn how to persevere. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 8. And it's a story where this guy comes in the middle of the night, and he's standing outside the guy's house, banging on his door, right? And it's right after Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, right? So he's, he's banging on the door. And guy turns on his light and he looks down from the window and he says, what do you want? He goes, I've had another friend of mine come and stop by my house and I have nothing to put before him. Will you get up and help me out here? You come on friend, help me out. And he says, I'm already in bed. My kids are already in bed. We're already settled down for the night. Go away. And then he says, no, come on friend. You got to help me out. And then the Bible says an amazing thing in the next verse in verse eight. It says, not because he was his friend did he do as he asked, but because of his importunity. It's one of those King James words. Importunity. Did he get up and give him what he asked? What does that word importunity mean? 
Putting it in modern English, it means he wouldn't leave him alone. It's because he pestered him, because he stayed there and he said, I need you to come through for me and I'm not going to leave until you come through for me. So it says not because he was his friend did he get up and give him what he wanted, but because he wouldn't leave him alone. Because he persevered. He got up and he gave him what he wanted. And then Jesus goes into that famous passage and therefore he said, I say, seek, knock, ask, right? So when it comes to God, let me close with this this morning. When it comes to God, when it comes to receiving and reaping a harvest with God, the scripture's telling us, don't quit. There's an opportunity, there's a season that we're in where God wants to produce and he says, don't quit. Don't quit. Keep loving your brother. Keep persevering. Keep pressing in. No matter how many times they drive you crazy. No matter how many times they forget to put deodorant on and they sit beside you. Do you know what I mean? Whatever it is that sets you off, persevere. 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 Perseverance is one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith, and it's one of the ways in which we reap the harvest. And it won't always seem that we will see the results in the immediate. Remember, there's also seasons, right? So sometimes you're going to persevere, you're going to sow, you're going to tend to that garden, and then the harvest will be reaped by somebody else. But there will still be a harvest on it. You and I today have the English Bible in a large part due to one person. His name was John Wycliffe. How many have ever heard of him? Right? Um, Wycliffe Bible Translators. You ever heard of that organization? Sure you have. Isn't that who you guys worked for? Lloyd and Ann? They were, they were with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators down in Central America. And, you know, the reality is, is that it's named after this great man who, who you'd think, oh, so he's the guy, he, so he got to create the Bible in English and, and see his, the efforts of his work. Actually, the story is that in his immediate lifetime, he did not get to do it. He was taking on the, the sin-sick church in the Roman Empire, and he was trying to get the Bible in the language of common man, which was English at the time. But then he, does, he died on December 31st before his Bible, his translation of the Bible, was able to get into the hands of common man. That was in 1384. Then 40 years, everybody say 40 years. 40 years after his death, he was declared a heretic by the Pope. His body was dug up. I'm not making this up. His body was dug up and it was exhumed from the ground burned, and then his ashes were thrown into the Thames River in London. Then, in 1401, there was passed the anti-Wycliffe statute, which defamed his name, and they began the persecution of anybody who was a remaining of his followers. And they placed a ban on Wycliffe's writings and the work of his translation, and declared the translation of scripture into English to be a crime punishable by the charge of heresy. Wow. Imagine they thought to themselves, forever we have gotten rid of that guy Wycliffe. <laughs> forever we have silenced that guy who wants to put the Bible in the language of common man. We can't have that. That's what they thought, but they were wrong. 
His labors, because he persevered unto death, his labors produced a harvest. And today, we enjoy the Bible in our language because of the efforts of one man who said, I will put the scripture in their language in the hands of every person in England. Wow. He never got to see the fruit himself of his sowing. But nevertheless, it was there. We have to learn to persevere. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Perseverance produces hope. Perseverance produces hope. How many know that God is calling upon us as the church to persevere? We don't lay down, don't roll over, we don't get rude or belligerent, but we stand for the Lord. Having done all the stand, what do we do? We stand, we persevere. And we continue to take care of what's going on here and love everybody out there. And when we do, God is honored and the harvest happens because we persevered. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I know it's been a tough season for a lot of people. The last few years have been weird. I remember back just, you know, just a couple years ago, week after week, there's like 10 of us in here videotaping a service, playing some instruments, preaching to a camera, and nobody was allowed to be in the building. It was weird. How many know it was weird? And there's something very unnatural about not being able to tangibly touch and interact with the people that are your brothers and sisters in Christ. But you're here today because you persevered. You didn't lose hope. Amen? You said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to love. Some of you had amazing stories that I heard of, you know, things that you did. You went out and you, you brought meals to people that couldn't go out and get meals. You took care of people uh, in, in ways in which we never thought possible or thought necessary in the past. But the church was there. We persevered. I think the enemy wanted to use it as an opportunity to finally put a nail into a, the coffin that he calls the church. But no, couldn't do it. We wouldn't be silenced. And here we are. We flourished. Amen? We found ways to reach out to people in new and creative ways, and we just, we flourished. You know, as it says in the scripture, right, around the story of Joseph, what the enemy caused for our destruction, God intended for good. God had a plan. Amen? And that perseverance that you've exercised in the last couple years is producing a harvest today. And I see it in so many places. And so I encourage you today that as we go forward into the, the next season, there may be some of you that still, there are areas where, man, it's been just so hard. It's been pulling teeth. It's been this. It's been that. I, I want to encourage you today that I believe God, God is going to honor that perseverance. And there is coming forth for us in this season a harvest. A harvest. 
because of all those laws we already talked about, but especially because of law number six, because we persevered. And God is going to bring forth a harvest. Amen? And this morning, if you're saying, I, I want to see that harvest, just put your hands out like this as if I was going to drop a bundle of goodness right into your hands, into your lap today. Father, today we stand here with our hands outstretched and we say, God, we're ready to receive the harvest for which we persevered. Father, we've stood together as the body of Christ. We've stood with one another and we're believing God for an incredible harvest to come on all the seed that has been sown and the perseverance that we have exercised in waiting for the harvest to come to pass. Father, we thank you today, Lord. We trust you, God, and we ask you, Lord, to give us an even greater level of ability to stand because we've done all the stand to stand and, Lord, in that posture of standing, Lord, love and continue to love as we have opportunity, all those around us, especially the household of faith, so that, Lord, a harvest comes due on everything that we persevered for. And, Father, we thank you today and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.